episode uh, 295 of um, PC's podcast, and it is entitled Lobo in Taiwan. It's short and sweet, as I hope the previous one was, and has actually erupted into one's consciousness because a major point uh, was left out of the cast a couple days ago on... uh, World Contact Day, which was an alternate title for the 1977 remarkable track by the Carpenters entitled Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft. But the point is an important one, and it really um, becomes a... um, a kind of lecture to contemporary um, predicates and identity thinking that is not simply a debunking or a kind of uh, reaction, but rather a, um, hopefully in this case funny, um, but pointing to an alternative um, view of what the world needs now, uh, which it at least seems to me is almost obvious, but obviously not obvious. But to me, it feels so. And I want to talk a little bit about um, a couple of artists and their um, universality, which has established the very same point that in the light of deliverance from surpassing obstacles or transcending losses and vast deficits in the human happiness, low blood pressure on the scale of fulfillment, joy, leading to disappointment and disillusionment and often a depression that can lead without God to um, thoughts of suicide, I um, saw that not only do... um, alien abduction theories uh, sort of put it all in the cocked hat because whenever the aliens are invading all the nationalities come together another example that I didn't use would have been the 1961 maybe two at the latest um, space opera from Japan from Toho Studios entitled um, Battle in Outer Space I I think it's one of the great um, kids sci-fi movies of all time of course it made a gigantic gigantic impression on yours truly, but the um, aliens who are currently hiding out on the dark side of the moon um, have sent spacecraft to destroy a, a, a international space station that is run primarily by Japanese personnel, and uh, the Earth is under absolute attack by um, rampaging, brilliant laser carrying um, UFOs, flying saucers from outer space. And so the United Nations gets together to discuss it. Now, the same, uh, and so there are all the um, racial uh, givens of uh, Japanese society and the era in which this movie is made are completely erased as the Americans, the Europeans, all the different Australians, the Asians, the um, uh, countries, the non-colonial African countries, you name it, they all gather for these huge and pompous and delightful delightful United Nations types uh, meetings. And um, because uh, identities and ethnicities and localities are instantly globalized in face of the alien threat, um, and uh, you find um, the same uh, exactly in Voyage of the Bottom of the Sea <laughs> with Roger Pigeon. I love that movie. When, um, isn't uh, Joan Fontaine in it? I think she is. Um, Peter Lorre, uh, when, um, because of a breach in the Van Allen belt. Again, we all saw this movie when it came out in New York City in the very early 60s. Um, 
the peoples of the world gather to discuss what to do. It's a sort of a climate change scenario, but with a very marvelous kind of patriotic and ultimately very positive denouement. Well, um, so uh, I had left out really another conclusive element in this, and I want to use it and then immediately segue to the um, power of a unifying understanding of human nature to um, create uh, a response or to stimulate or to welcome a universal response, which is the response of St. Paul in Galatians 3.28 and the great hymn, which we used to sing under Paul Moore in the Diocese of New York, in Christ there is no west, east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship surrounding the whole wide earth. In him all nations everywhere, their high communion find, their service is the golden cord, close binding all mankind. Now, he meant it, and we meant it, and people today forget that this vision has always been there, but it's a vision that um, arises from a uh, an overwhelmingly um, um, identity smashing or lessening or erasing um, picture of what the world needs now. In response to the universal mark of Satan, to quote a Hammer Horror television episode from 1980, that is to say, fallen human nature, which does not have any territorial, local, or ethnic, or racial um, um, sanctuaries. Now, um, the point I want to make, and why this is called Lobo in Taiwan, I was we started off with you and me and a dog named Boo. Me and You and a Dog Named Boo. Whatever it is, it's a wonderful song by Lobo, who's actually originally from around here in central Florida, not too far from here. And uh, Lobo um, sang that song, which was very uh, powerful. And when you look up Lobo, and I got very um, deeply much a fan, I came very close to going to try to go and see him, and I believe he would have probably welcomed me if I'd put it properly. But... um, Later in his career, he uh, became extremely popular in Taiwan. He was also popular in Singapore. In other words, after Don't Expect Me to Be Your Friend or um, this one, and there are about four other very famous ones, the most famous one I forget right now, but Lobo in the uh, early 70s, um, but a little later on in his career, achieved magnificent and uh, adulating success in Taiwan especially. He wrote a song, a kind of an ode to Taiwan, Lobo did, but also in Singapore. And I think his last album, ACD in the 90s, I think was um, uh, produced by Springroll Records. And um, so Lobo, who comes from, you know, sort of Kissimmee type of thing, I mean, not all that far from where I'm sitting. I don't think it's Kissimmee, but it's maybe... um, It'll come back to me, but um, Lobo achieves an extraordinary resonance in Taiwan in the 90s and 80s. Think about that. Now, I want to give you another example uh, of that. Um, Karen Carpenter, I was reading. I love Karen Carpenter. May she rest in peace. I believe she is resting in peace. And she was, um, she is still an unbelievable icon in the Philippines. Now, she's an icon everywhere, but if you read about her on the internet, you'll find a tremendous amount of references to what what a white sound it was, how white she was. She was white bread. That was the old-fashioned for for what is now white. That is to say, kind of 
um, lowest common denominator, saccharine, uh, easy listening, uh, a very non-soulful, the opposite of James Brown, the opposite of rap, the opposite of hip-hop, the opposite. And so the word white is now attached to her. And yet, you know... She is so popular in the Philippines. I mean, you might as well just if if she had were to come back. I mean, she she would she would defeat that chap who's um, such an issue over there. Uh, she would defeat him because she is that popular in the. All you need to do, I am told, and I have some friends who've tried it, is mention the name Karen Carpenter to almost anyone in the Philippines, uh, and the place just absolutely, completely, the the, the walls uh, are shattered around you with uh, powerful, positive response. I'll give you another example. Um, you know I've talked about this movie, Melody, that was featured early songs by the um, Bee Gees, paging uh, John Ford here, that is to say my friend John Ford, in Greenwich, and um, um, this uh, remarkable movie about a young 10-year-old boy and a a 10-year-old girl who fall in love and get married. It's a kind of uh, an ode to, um, there's another movie based on it, but it's an ode to um, the power of romantic love among children, and yet you think it sort of crosses a boundary. It doesn't at all. It's extraordinarily enchanting and never loses its innocence at the deepest level and its truth. But um, the star of... uh, of, uh, of Melody uh, was a young actress named uh, Tracy Hyde. Well, I mean, now at this point in her life, you read interviews with her, and she's the, the number one thing that she sort of keeps bringing up is what an incredible welcome she gets when she goes to Japan. Now, Tracy Hyde, you look her up, she is a phenomenon in Japan, a phenomenon. So what have we said? We've said that Lobo is a phenomenon in Taiwan. Tracy Hyde from England is a phenomenon in Japan. And uh, Karen Carpenter is un believable as a cultural place of deep reverence in the Philippines. Now, I could talk about Jacques Demy, the famous uh, French director of Les Demoiselles de Rochefort and Les Parapluies de Cherbourg, and oh my gosh, uh, so many the the wonderful uh, musical films. And yet, you know, one of his uh, much later movies was made in Japan, uh, entirely uh, funded by Japanese uh, concerns because he uh, was uh, asked to film a um, what is it called lady uh, lady not lady gaga lady uh, there's a Japanese anime cartoon about a young woman who gets caught up in the French Revolution and sort of dresses up as a boy but also as a is a girl and ultimately falls in love with someone and it's an extra- lady oscar that's it lady oscar and that is a um again one of these phenomenons like we have uh, in this country you know like uh, peanuts christmas special or something like that and they asked jacques demy to film it because jacques demy is considered just so extraordinarily acute to the whatever was regarded as the japanese anime sensibility now why am i saying all this because um these are perfect examples of the fact that what these popular artists bring to the equation is a feeling and a um, an insistence without ever making it explicit uh, on the rooted, absolutely unquenchable desire of the human being for direct connection in the form of love and um, 
engagement with another human being, uh, primarily romantic love, but let's uh, let's let it be broad. Um, and I, of course, attach it to divinity. Um, they show without a shadow of a doubt, and I've only I've only just begun to fight. I mean, I could I could really go to town on this theme because it's a theme of of interest, um, and I followed it sort of. Um, with joy over the years, but it shows you that um, there is a boundary-bursting, bahnbrechende um, hunger in the human experience for connection with another human being that is far larger, let alone connection that brings peace, satisfaction, and um, the stasis of serenity that is far larger than these themes of <clears throat> identity that are now um, falsely harped on in such a way that uh, you, 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 you would think that there are people, that's all they, 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 they want to reduce everything to whiteness, blackness, gender, etc., etc., and it's simply not true. And uh, Lobo and uh, Tracy Hyde and Karen Carpenter and Jacques Demy and... Uh, Battle in Outer Space uh, reveal the contrary. Now, I want to use one other example from Karen Carpenter. I'm focused right now, aren't you, on the song um, I Won't Last a Day Without You. I think it's mid-period, Karen Carpenter, maybe even later period, but definitely in the famous um, section of her before she died. Uh, and um, the um, depth of the romantic song I Won't Last a Day Without You, is captured in a repeating two lines in a refrain through the song, which is a very romantic song, a very touching song. And the, uh, the girl goes off and she's working in the difficulties of the world and uh, she doesn't really like what she does when she goes out and has her job and has to negotiate and push her way through life. But she can come home to a man that um, supports her and... Uh, will love her no matter what and softens it all for her and uh, in whose arms and in whose smile she has peace at the end of the uh, endurance marathon of her everyday life. And the line that is repeated by Karen Carpenter, I can take all the madness the world has to give, but I won't last a day without you. Now, that's not, think about that. I can take all the madness the world has to give, but I won't last a day without you. In other words, the madness is bad enough. But the loss of you, that would be terminal. So the madness of the world, in other words, is secondary or is um, a, uh, a, 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 a non-terminal element of life compared to the uh, decisive presence of your love you in my life. And that uh, line, I very much um, want you to uh, listen to it. And I think at the end of the cast, I'll probably um, bring that in. So uh, this was just a kind of uh, embellishment of the universality of the human race's need, the power of the teaching concerning original sin. And I don't mind if you don't want to use that word. If that word is a turnoff and brings back some kind of primal memories from about the, the Roman Catholic Church or the growing up in the evangelical church or some kind of uh, awful attack on human um, joy and human optimistic dreams, then just don't use it. 
but don't, in negating the uh, language, uh, reduce the power of the diagnosis, because when the diagnosis is off, then um, you will be drawn towards um, um, band-aids and medicinal possibilities that are not up to solving the problem. And this is um, why all these uh, attributes are really misleading before the fundamental human attribute of lostness and neediness and the um, deep, uh, the deep core of being moved and being moved like a, like a, a blast uh, blows the door of a mine or a cave off. Uh, it, it has the power to open uh, this, uh, the love that comes to the universal hunger for um, belovedness is um, that which alone uh, possesses the fuel and the significance and the weight to um, answer your deepest longing. Thus, I rest my case, and let's hear from Karen. Day after day, I must face a world of strangers where I don't belong and that it's strong. It's nice to know that there's someone I can turn to who will always care. You're always there. It's all worthwhile. 